not only will you be able to own the room in even the messiest, most challenging meeting, but you will be able to command a level of work that is such higher quality than the work and the leadership that you will do when you are waiting for permission and avoiding risk. You're always gonna be looking to the outside world to tell you when it's your turn and leaders don't wait to be told it's their turn, they just go. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is so wonderful to have you listening. If you're newer here, welcome. I'm Jess. I've been hosting this podcast now for a couple of years, and I also work in the corporate world, in the nine-to-five world, and I also recently opened my private practice as a women's career and leadership coach, which is actually one of the reasons that I am doing this three-part series. So I wanted to kick off 2021 with a bang and kick off season five with something special and just celebrate me birthing this business into the world. And so I wanted to do this three-part series, and it's really designed to help you get pumped up for the year ahead. And I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking about how when we're growing, we kind of have to get uncomfortable, and we kind of need a little bit of a push or a stretch. And I think a lot of times we default to just like cruising and trying to stay comfortable. And as humans, we don't always want to go outside our comfort zone. But if you want to transform and you want to change and you want to be able to sort of like look back at your life and your career and be like, wow, I did some really cool things, you kind of have to push yourself and you kind of have to stretch and you kind of have to get a little uncomfortable. And this episode series is really intended to help you do that. And in part one, I shared a little bit of a framework that's really designed to help you figure out where your next growth edge is. So I don't really like to think of things as like strengths and weaknesses. I like to think about it. Well, I like to think about strengths. But I like to think about weaknesses as these edges, like these rough edges that we are being invited to lean into. And if you want to grow really fast, if you want to have extraordinary change, one of the most powerful things you can do is find those edges, find those places where you're still showing up kind of small and get to work on building courage and building the bravery to start showing up differently in those places, right? And that is not an easy thing to do. I think sometimes we do want to coast. We do want things to be a little bit easy, a little bit comfortable, but that's just not where growth happens. That's not where all the good, rich growth comes from. It comes from the moments of facing our discomfort and doing scary things. But the most wonderful thing about that is that what you gain in the aftermath is so, it's like you can't put a value on that. And it's not even 
about your career. And it's not even about like what it does for you professionally and climbing the ladder, even though those things are so wonderful. And that's what I want for you. But it's really about the feeling that you have inside with yourself after you do something that you know was hard for you, that you know that your brain was negotiating with you, telling you not to do and you showed up and you did it anyway. The feeling that you feel on the other side of that is there is nothing like it. And to me, that feeling is confidence. And it only comes after you do the hard, scary thing. And this week's series is really designed to help you surface what are those growth edges? What is the next hard, scary thing that if you start doing it, not only is your career going to begin to accelerate, but you are going to, if you stay committed and you really show up and do it, you are going to start tapping into those feelings of confidence and that embodied knowing that you showed up for some hard shit and did it. And that is what I want for you. But it requires a bit of a stretch, right? And that's what I'm here to help you do. Now, when we are stretching, it is hard, it is uncomfortable, it doesn't feel good a lot of the time. And a trap that we can fall into is because going out of your comfort zone doesn't feel good, you like try it for five seconds and you're like, ah, that was awful. And you go straight back into your comfort zone. But when you know what's happening in your brain and you have a clear picture of why you're staying in your comfort zone and what is keeping you from venturing out and why it feels so bad those first few times you venture out, when you understand all of that, it makes it so, so, so much easier to take those first scary steps. And it doesn't mean that it's going to feel amazing. It's probably not going to feel amazing. But kind of like an adventurer or a pioneer, you're going to have the tools that you need to brave the wilderness and to go on that adventure and to take that scary step and do that scary thing. And that's what I'm really focused on today. And I'm double clicking into the skill of advocacy. So if you listen to part one, you heard me talk about these four skills that will help you achieve so much success and will help you be so powerful and effective in a nine to five type of setting. And one of those four skills is the skill of using your voice, which I call advocacy. And I believe it is one of the most important skills. And I also know that it is one that many women struggle with. And I struggled with the skill of using my voice for a very long time. From the moment I stepped foot into my like full grown up adult career, I went from being like this kind of more bubbly outgoing person to being very guarded, very afraid, very shy. And I spent a lot of time professionally, especially in those first couple years of my career, being very, very quiet. And I experienced a ton of stress around that because number one, I was already, and I wrote about this in my ebook, which I will link below, but number one, I was already stressed about the meetings. The meetings stressed me out. I felt scared that I didn't know what people were saying or that I was gonna say something wrong. I was always like the youngest and the most junior often in the meeting, and that can be really, really challenging, and I'm actually going to talk about that in this episode. So I was dealing with all the fear and discomfort just from the meetings themselves, and then I started to get feedback 
you know, for my professional development that I needed to have a stronger voice in these meetings. And then I started to get stressed about the feedback and the meetings were still stressful. So I was like drowning in a sea of stress because I knew that this was bad, but I still felt horrible in meetings and I still didn't feel confident. And I just felt very trapped and very stuck. And what I'm sharing with you today, if I had heard this, it probably really, really, really would have helped me start to step out of that and evolve out of that much faster. If you are in the place that I was at, or if you're just in a place where you second guess yourself or you don't feel great during meetings, the one thing that I would want to emphasize for you and the one thing that I would go back and tell to myself at that time is one of the most important things that you can do is to take really small, courageous steps. And I think sometimes we think that courage has to look like a really big step. And that's actually not true. And it's actually the opposite. When we're taking a really big step, that's not coming from a place of courage. That's coming from a place of fear. We're overcompensating. We're so afraid that we're not going to get this outcome that we want or that we're never going to feel confident that we try to take this massive step and we set ourselves up for failure. True courage requires us and it requires you to go slow. Going slow and taking small steps is harder and requires more bravery than trying to rush through your problems. But when you have the patience and the humility to start with something small, that is when you start to make progress and build momentum. And you start to see that there's something inside you. There's like this little flame or this little spark inside you that is stronger than the thing that you are struggling with. And you only need your first little kernel of evidence that that exists inside you to get you going on this journey. And once you have that, you can draw on that over and over and over again. So before I get into all of the things that I'm going to share with you, I just want to remind you that you don't need to implement this and absorb this and do this all at once. Pick one simple thing, and I'll I'll give you some thoughts. You'll have lots of things that you can pick from. Pick one simple thing and just take a tiny step. That is all you need to get started. All right, so meetings. Let's talk about meetings, and let's talk about what is happening when you are not speaking up during a meeting. The first thing that I want to share with you, and I think this will be, this is like such a good small step because it doesn't even require you to speak up. So this is like an amazing first step if you don't feel confident in meetings because I think anyone can practice this and this is really, really powerful. So I want you to think about meetings this way. When you're in a meeting, you can be in one of two places and only one of two places. You can either be in the meeting or you can be in your head. When you're in the meeting, you are present and you are listening with intention to what other people are saying. You are absorbing the content. You are thinking critically, but not about yourself and not about your own experience in the meeting, but about what other people are sharing and how it fits into the bigger picture of the work that you are doing and of whatever project or initiative or thing that meeting is feeding into. When you are present in the meeting, that is where your focus is. The other place you can be is in your head. And when you're in your head, 
you are thinking about yourself and worrying about how you sound and no judgment on any of this, by the way, like this has been the story of my life. <laughs> I'm just explaining this for clarity. I don't want you to feel judged, but you're in your head. You're focused on yourself. You have a lot of worried thoughts about how you might sound and whether you should speak. And when you're in your head, you are paying attention to your own thoughts and your own feelings, and you are not present and engaged with the content of the meeting. And you might have had this experience. I know I've had it where you withdraw into the depths of your brain. And then by the time you come out and you feel like you've sufficiently decided what you want to say, the meeting's in a different place and you've missed the discussion and you've missed the point, right? So this is also why it can be so hard to get out of the trap of staying quiet during meetings is because you're retreating into your head and focusing on your worried thoughts, and that prevents you from actually doing what you need to do to engage in the meeting, which is being present and listening to what is happening in the meeting. And again, there's nothing wrong with this, right? When you get scared, your brain wants to try to solve the thing that you're scared of. So it's not going to pay attention to the content of the meeting. It's going to pay attention to the things that you're worried about and concerned about. And chances are you're not worried and concerned about the topic of the meeting, right? You're worried and concerned about yourself and what you're going through. That's a very natural human thing. But I just want you to notice that you can only be in one place at a time. And a really, really good first baby step is to just practice spending more time in the meeting present and less time in your head. And a really useful way to think about this is kind of like those signs that you put on the doorknob of your hotel room of like, do not disturb or like, please clean my room, like when there's two different things on each side. You can think of yourself as having like a sign that flips and whenever you're present in the meeting, the sign is flipped to like present and whenever you find yourself retreating into your own thoughts, then the sign is flipped to like, oh, I'm not in the meeting anymore. And a really wonderful first step is just to notice. Notice when the sign flips and gently and without judging yourself, just flip it back. No judgment, totally neutral. Your brain is just doing what brains do. It's getting caught up in its own worries. And you, without any judgment, without shaming yourself, without making any sort of big deal, you just flip the sign and gently come back to the meeting. And you do this with the same gentleness you would use if you're training a puppy, right? The puppy is trying its best, but it's a puppy and it's running all around just like your brain, right? So you gently remind the puppy, you know, come back this way, right? Come back this way. Just gently flip the sign back to presence in the meeting. If you only do this, it will get you really, really far and it will help you feel better in meetings because <laughs> if you're anything like me, those thoughts that you're retreating to in your head they're not thoughts that make you feel good. They're not thoughts that make you feel calm and powerful and confident. For me, those thoughts do the opposite. They make me feel worried. They make me spin, right? And it was, it was those thoughts that prevented me from speaking up in meetings because A, I wasn't present 
And B, they made me feel bad. And when you feel bad, it's very, very difficult to take action, right? It's very hard to show up courageously when you're stuck in your head and you're spinning over those thoughts. So my first suggestion to you is just start to notice this happening without any judgment whatsoever, but just start to notice this happening within your mind and begin practicing without the need to get it perfect, without the need to like be present every single minute of the meeting, only with the goal of trying to notice when you have lost presence and you've retreated back up into your own head and with the goal of when that happens, gently and compassionately bringing yourself back into the meeting. And that doesn't even require you speaking up. Now, here's something really important though. When I say gently and compassionately and when I say don't try to get this perfect, That is real and you have to follow that part of the instructions too, right? So a lot of you are, you are very, you like to do things right. You like to do things correct. You are very high achievers. And when it comes to having this mindfulness and observing your brain doing these things, you cannot be a perfectionist about it because brains are like rogue, wild creatures. They are very hard to tame. So you have to have lightness. You have to have gentleness. And this is going to be a wildly imperfect process. So just allow it to be that way so that you don't make it any harder than it has to be. So that's the first thing I want to share. And the second thing I want to share is I want to talk a little bit about what you might be thinking during those moments when you do retreat into your brain, right? Because of course, the goal is presence, but that's not gonna be possible. You know, we're all human, we all have this brain, we all go in and out of presence and we go into our worried thoughts. And so it's of course helpful for you to build the tool, build the muscle of returning to presence, But it is also important for you to have tools for what happens when you retreat into your thoughts and they start getting scary and uncomfortable and they start telling you things that are making you feel afraid and keeping you quiet during the meeting, right? You also want to have tools for those so that you have a full tool set, right? You have the tool set of bringing yourself back to presence in the meeting and you have a tool set for what to do when you find yourself retreating into those thoughts, Okay, so I spent some time thinking about the different kinds of thoughts that you might have during meetings. And this is from my own experience. This is from what I've seen in my one-on-one work. And there are so many scary thoughts that our brains come up with that preoccupy us and can cause you stress during a meeting that I couldn't possibly cover all of them in this episode, although I have I'll have many more to talk about in the future, right? I always like sometimes joke in my head, I'll never run out of topics for this podcast because if I just think of like my own professional journey and my own struggle and my own drama, it's infinite. (laughs) The struggle is infinite. So luckily I have lots of things to share on the show all of the time. But for this podcast episode, I'm gonna really constrain and zoom into a couple of thoughts that you might have during meetings that keep you quiet. And I specifically picked thoughts that are important for you to learn how to overcome, not only so that you can speak up in the moment, but also because overcoming these thoughts actually strengthens your leadership muscle. So these thoughts represent more than just thoughts that are trying to keep you quiet in the meeting. 
They actually are thoughts that are trying to keep you small overall, that are trying to keep you taking up less space overall. So you will find something really, really fascinating if you begin to address these thoughts and you build your strength to speak up even when these thoughts are present in meetings, you will see there will be an impact not only on how you show up in meetings, but there will be an impact on your overall confidence and your overall sense of power and your overall overall ability to lead. So this obviously gets me really excited. I hope it gets you really excited too. So let's get into it. The first one that I want to talk about is about your role in the meeting. And as humans, listen, I think that we are really wired to always look around and understand our status relative to everyone around us. And actually something that I learned that was unfortunately deeply upsetting, which is a little bit of a side note, which is that as women, because we're so objectified in our culture, we're also like always scanning to see what the environment thinks of us as females, because we are so conditioned to be attractive and pleasing to the opposite sex. So this is even harder for us. We spend even more time in our subconscious brain scanning for like, how do we fit into the picture? How are people perceiving us? But anyway, to bring it back to meetings, which is really what I want to focus on right now, is it's very normal to have thoughts about your role in the meeting relative to other people. And you'll know that you have this if you find yourself more confident and vocal in a meeting where you're the most senior person versus when you're in a meeting where you're surrounded by people who are more experienced than you or have higher tenure than you, right? If you feel less confident or you speak up less when your manager is in the meeting or when there are more senior people in the meeting, that means that you have a thought, a perception, a story inside of you about your presence in that meeting and your presence relative to those other people. So when there are more senior experienced people in the meeting, you make it mean something different about how much you can or should or want to speak up. And again, this is totally, totally normal, right? This is something that I've done a lot of, and I really struggled in meetings with older men because I just felt uncomfortable. I felt like I couldn't be at ease. I felt weird. Like I could go all the way into all the feelings I had in these meetings being like very young and, you know, having men that are multiple decades older than me in the meeting and trying to have a voice. That was very, very hard hard for me. Um, But at the same time, there is an enormous amount of strength to be unburied and uncovered when you really start to confront the thoughts that are telling you that because of your relative title or tenure or status in the meeting, you should keep quiet. Now, the reason that this is so important is because when you're doing that, you're operating under a story that says that you need to get permission from people around you in order to be part of the conversation. And seeking permission is actually a form of shutting down your own leadership. Leadership is about bringing forth value. And when you are bringing forth value and when you are truly leading, like you're embodying leadership, You are spending zero brain power thinking about your status in the meeting, and you are spending all brain power thinking about outcomes and thinking about whether your contribution is going to move things towards a better outcome. 
And that is what is required to lead. Because if you filter everything you say based on how you fit in with everyone around you and based on whether you feel like you have implicit permission to participate, you're not actually thinking about what is best for the situation at hand. You're thinking about yourself and your own status. And you're putting yourself and your status and your feelings ahead of the goal that you're trying to accomplish. And when you make the goal more important, you stop worrying about your status in the meeting. You engage more deeply. You have more fun. And most importantly, you don't spend time wondering if it's okay for you to contribute. You simply join in the conversation because you've pushed yourself past the place of making it about you and you're into the place of making it about the work and about the problem and about the solution and about the outcome. And that is just a whole different level of thinking. And it doesn't mean that something's wrong if you find yourself afraid and if you find yourself thinking about yourself. But it does mean that if you want to become a powerful leader, you have to be willing to be in the discomfort of the thoughts that are telling you that you're the most junior person in the meeting or everyone else in the meeting is you know, more senior than you. You have to be willing to be in the discomfort of those thoughts and put forth an opinion and a perspective anyway. And when you're doing that, you are stepping up and leading and you are beginning to unwind a pattern of at a deep level wanting people to tell you that it's okay to share. And the thing about being a leader is that leaders don't ask for permission. They don't ask if it's okay to share. They just share. So this, again, this doesn't mean that if you have trouble sharing right now, that you can never be a leader and you're not a leader and something's wrong with you. It just means that if you want to build the leadership skill of having a voice, you need to recognize where you're in a pattern of waiting for other people to tell you when to use your voice, of needing these signals or needing the title or needing the tenure to use your voice. You need to find the places where you're needing all those things to feel confident and learn to feel confident in your perspective only. It's like if you strip down seniority and title and, you know, let's say none of us have titles and we're just like all in a room. It's the people that start speaking that are going to become the leaders, right? If you're always preoccupied with like, is it my turn to speak? Is it my meeting? Am I too junior? Am I supposed to be here? All of those thoughts are literally blocking you from showing up powerfully. And it's not easy to get out of that pattern. It takes time, but you really want to start to notice places where you're keeping quiet when you have ideas and you have things to share because you are outsourcing permission to have a voice to some external thing outside of you. So you're waiting for someone to like call on you or ask you what you think, or you're waiting for it to be like your meeting, or you're waiting, you know, to be in a meeting where you're one of the more senior people. If you are in that mentality, that mentality is going to run the way you think and the way you show up and the way you do your work. And it's you're never going to prioritize just showing up and sharing what it is you have to share. You're always going to be looking to the outside world to 
tell you when it's your turn. And leaders don't wait to be told it's their turn. They just go. And so it's not just about speaking up, right? It's about taking up space in a bigger way. And it it applies to meetings and it applies to things beyond meetings. So it's so important for you just to notice, just to get curious about the places where you're looking at all these outside circumstances, who's in the meeting, how senior are they, is your manager in the meeting, is it your turn to speak? Just start to notice and get really curious about all of those situations and begin to inquire and explore if you can find places where you're willing to share something, even with those thoughts present, even if you're not sure if you're quote unquote supposed to be sharing. The minute you start testing your assumptions about when you're quote unquote supposed to be sharing is the minute you take your power back, right? You're outsourcing your power to all these people around you in the meeting. And the minute you test the assumption that you have that, oh, I shouldn't be talking because of like who I am in this meeting or the other people in this meeting or whatever. The minute you test that assumption is the minute you take a chunk of your power and you return it back to the core of your being. That's why this one is so important. So that is a really big one. And there's another one that I want to talk about that is also very important. And it's it's interconnected with, you know, the other one that I was explaining. But this one is about the quality of your idea and the quality of what it is you want to contribute in the meeting. So the first example that I gave was much more about like you not speaking up because of like your thoughts about your status in the meeting and the other people in the meeting and like, is it my meeting? Is it their meeting? Am I supposed to be talking? Like those thoughts are all about like needing permission from the outside world to be a voice in that meeting. And what I'm saying there is to be a leader, you need to learn to give yourself permission. The second one is about the quality of what you're sharing. And so another thought or another thing you might get stuck on in your head is like thinking about your idea that you want to share and wondering like, is this a good idea? Is this a dumb idea? Will people like, what will people think of this idea? Is it smart? Is it stupid? And you might find your brain like trying to solve and trying to compute and trying to figure out like, how good is this idea? Should I share it? Is it good? Or is it really bad? It seems good, but maybe it's horrible, right? And I also just want you to notice like how irrational all of that is. It's like one minute it's a good idea and then one minute it's like the crappiest idea ever, right? Like if you can notice your brain being irrational, (laughs) it will free you from so many unhelpful thought patterns, right? But coming back to like this, these thoughts about like, oh, is the idea good or not? Part of what's happening there is that your mind is wanting a guarantee. It wants to know that when you share this piece of information in this meeting, that it is objectively good quality information and that it will be well-received. Now, the reason that it is so important to recognize that thought pattern and start to break past it and move past it is because one of the things you need to do to become a leader, in addition to the first thing I shared, which is giving yourself permission The other thing that you need to learn to do as you become a leader is you need to be comfortable with risk and you need to be comfortable taking risks and listen. I know that it's hard, right? I'm not saying it's easy. By definition, when we take a risk, we are moving into an unknown territory. And when we do that, we're doing that because there's the potential for something wonderful to happen when we move into that unknown territory, right? And for you, that unknown territory is sharing your ideas. But of course, being a risk, there is also a downside. Risk, by definition, literally contains downside. 
And as a leader, if you are not comfortable taking risks and if you are only willing to share things and do things that are a sure bet, that are for sure going to work, that are fully guaranteed, you are not going to be able to lead. Leaders need to be able to take risks. So when you are in a meeting and you don't know if your idea is quote unquote good and your brain is like spinning around trying to figure out if your idea is good and if you should share it, what I want to offer to you is that that is a beautiful invitation for you to practice taking risks. And taking risks can feel scary. It can feel uncomfortable. It requires bravery. And inherent in risk is the fact that sometimes you will succeed and sometimes you will quote unquote fail. And of course, failure is subjective and that's a whole other thing. But inherent in taking a risk is that you're going to have all different kinds of outcomes. And it is really imperative that you begin to confront your fears of sharing something that someone in that room judges as stupid. I am not saying that your ideas are stupid, but what I am saying is that as long as you are trying to control what people think of what you say before you say it, you are filtering out your truth. And if you're filtering out your truth, you are not leading. I saw a quote the other day that so perfectly encapsulated everything that I'm trying to explain to you in this episode. And the quote was, leaders go first. When you go first, you don't know how things are going to go. You have no information. You don't know how it's going to be received. And when you are sitting in these meetings and you're not sure, am I supposed to be talking in this meeting? Or you're not sure, is my idea good enough? And you share it anyways. You are practicing the muscle of going first. You are practicing leading. You are practicing taking up space when conditions are uncertain and ambiguous and unknown. And if you can get good at that one thing, not only will you be able to own the room in even the messiest, most challenging meeting, but you will be able to command a level of work that is such higher quality than the work and the leadership that you will do when you are waiting for permission and avoiding risk. And I know it is hard to do these things. By definition, these things are scary, but these are the things that are required to advance. And the wonderful thing is you don't have to take a huge leap. Just like I was saying at the beginning, yes, taking risk is big and scary. Yes, giving yourself permission is big and scary, but you can do it in small ways. Start by simply noticing when your mind goes from being present in the meeting to being in your mind. And second, find opportunities to give yourself permission or take risks in small tiny ways. You don't have to speak up at the biggest, most challenging meeting, right? Find that next incremental meeting. You know, a really good one that I suggest for people to practice in 
It's like I had one client who had these meetings that like she was part of, but she was totally disconnected from these teams. Like, you know, when you get sucked into a meeting and you're like, am I even supposed to be here? Who are these people? There was no one in that meeting that was like her boss wasn't in that meeting. It wasn't like a scary meeting. It was like a random meeting. If you're in a random meeting, that is such a good place to practice taking a risk or giving yourself permission. Because who are these people? You might not ever see them again, right? So I really want you to get creative about where you can take a risk and where you can give yourself permission. And it can be really, really small. You can give yourself permission to strike up a conversation when someone is in the kitchen next to you pouring coffee and you're feeling awkward Maybe that's your time to take your small, courageous step and to give yourself permission and to be a leader and go first, right? I want you to be creative. I don't want you to think that this means that you all of a sudden go into the meeting, although if you want to, that's great. But this doesn't mean that you have to go into like the big meeting and all of a sudden be the most powerful person. It means you need to find small, creative little windows of opportunity to practice going first and to practice taking a risk and giving yourself permission and being a leader. And these smaller ways build momentum. And that's how you get yourself to do the bigger things, right? That's how you get yourself to be a voice in the conversation with like really senior people or in a really tough job interview. Like that's how you prepare yourself for the bigger room is by finding these smaller places to do it. And now what I want to say, though, is even in these small situations, it's still hard. <laughs> like, even if you can find a rando meeting, let's just call these rando meetings, right? Even if you're part of a rando meeting, that still might be hard for you to contribute in that meeting or find something to say, which is why I am recording part three, which is all about courage and holding a vision and believing that you can do hard and scary things. And so that's what I'm going to talk about in part three. But for right now, I just want you to reflect and begin scanning your environment for places to practice taking risks, to practice giving yourself permission, to practice going first, to practice being a leader. I want you to start scanning and looking for those places. And I also want you to pay attention to your presence in meetings and when you go from being present to retreating back into your head. And in part three, I'll give you even more thoughts and more insights on this. I hope that this helped you. I think that this is one of the most important things. And it's a little bit unglamorous because these leadership traits are hard to do. They feel scary. They require courage. So I can't give you like a hack around it, right? Like there is no hack to building confidence and becoming powerful because it literally just requires you to do something that you're scared of. There's no way around that. But I hope that this can get you started and get you moving in the right direction. If you want support in doing this and in finding your voice, this is the work that I do. This is what I work with women one-on-one. -on -one. And like I said, my coaching practice is officially here. And I have a huge smile on my face because I love this work so much. And I think one of my missions is to help women step into confidence and step into leadership and specifically to help women who are struggling with confidence. And if you're struggling with your voice and this is an area that's hard for you and you don't feel solid and you don't feel strong, that is the exact type of person that I support. I believe we all have a strong and powerful leader inside of us. And so much of the work that I do 
really centers around authenticity. I think this is what is missing in a lot of corporate spaces. Women are being given so much advice on how they quote unquote should show up, but it's not coming from a place of discovering who you really are when you're just being you. And I think that's one of the biggest misses because the most sustainable confidence is authentic, genuine confidence. And that is super important to me. That is a super big part of the work that I do. And if you're interested in learning more about working with me, I have a brand new website, which I'm going to link below. It's called JessGuzzitCoaching.com. I am super just excited to have this live and to be able to open my coaching practice and call myself a coach and support those of you who are ready to get deeper support. I also want to let you know that I'm offering something special if you apply to work with me anytime between now and January 15th. So coaching is by application. This is to make sure that it's a good fit for us to work together. But if you submit your application to coach with me anytime between now and the 15th of January, I'll be inviting you to two client-only workshops. This will be totally free with your coaching package. The first one is on leading meetings with confidence. And the second one is on participating in meetings with confidence. I have found that in so much of the work that I've been doing, meetings are such a challenging place for so many of you. And the one-on-one work that I do is really helpful in helping you get your mindset in the right place for meetings, helping you learn executive skills that will help you feel powerful in meetings. But I want to do these two workshops in addition to the one-on-one coaching because it is way more powerful and such an enhancer to be able to practice these skills around other people. And that might feel scary, but I'm really excellent at creating and facilitating a room where you feel very comfortable and where the parts of you that are brave start feeling almost like they're like tickled. They're like, oh, I want to try this. I want to participate. I want to use my voice. I'm really good at creating that environment where you feel comfortable and you feel like, oh, I want to give this a try because I know that's what you need to bring out your voice. And so that's why I'm really excited about these two workshops, which you will get an invitation to both of them for free if you apply to coach with me between now and January 15th. If you have any questions about working together um, or about the workshops or anything like that, I will put my contact information in the show notes. I will also put my website in the show notes. And I hope that you're doing well. I am so excited for this year ahead. I can feel that it's going to be such a transformative year. I can already like feel my energy shifting into something bigger, something greater. And I really hope that that energetic shift is experienced by you also. And I really hope that this can be a year where your career truly starts to take off in a way that you love. And I'm so excited to help you with that. So definitely tune in to part three, which will come out the day after this episode. It'll be out tomorrow for some thoughts on building the courage to show up in these moments that I'm asking you to show up in and give yourself permission and take a risk. So stay tuned for that. I can't wait to walk you through that. And I'll catch you in part three. All right, bye.